Welcome to the first podcast of 2019. I was wondering if you're going to get the date right. Yeah, no, I did get it right. I have got it wrong while I've been writing it at least half a dozen times in the last It's week. quite easy to fix, fairly easy to fix an 8 into a, a nine. 9. Relatively easy. We've got a, an interesting show for you today because we have the second part of our visit from Tyler and his girlfriend Katie, who also is the design brain behind Modern Huntsman. So this show is entirely a chat with her about what it's been like re-envisaging what a hunting publication is, because that is what the first volume of uh, Modern Huntsman was, and volume two carried that on, and, and a lot of that has come from her brain. So we delve deep into it and find out how she got there. And we go quite a bit into not just that design work as well, just in general and kind of going self-employed, talking about those things and yeah, finding out a bit more about how it works out in the United States. Uh, I might add that she was pretty ill when we recorded this podcast. She was. <laughs> poor. Yeah. Poor lady. Yeah, very poor. But uh, she grafted through. She did. She, for got, she got more she got than an it. hour. Yeah. And... Uh, they then uh, went to the rugby the following day, which we do talk about on the on the podcast. Uh, probably not the most exciting game of rugby, uh, unfortunately. It really wasn't, they went to. unfortunately. <laughs> it, it wasn't, but they still got to experience a bit of atmosphere and, and Murray Field. And, and yeah, we had a good day it's, out it's a good, it's a good day out in Edinburgh. Uh, I hope everybody has had some time off between Christmas and New Year. We did. Yes. Which was... Great. In fact, we, we didn't come in, into the office at all. A full two-week break. I kind of went dark in terms of using the internet as well. I barely touched so, social media, uh, and I didn't really post anything either. It was it was bliss. It was nice to sort of reset my system in that way. Mm. Sort of jaded after a, a whole year of going non-stop eyeballs glued to social media and emails and video because that's what we do and pictures yeah it is i i, I stayed up to date on kind of instagram but but apart from that that was uh that was as much as i uh i did really but i did manage to do a lot of hunting which was always the intention with the time off uh we went up to our uh, small syndicate shoot a few times i shot on the foreshore quite a number of times with my my friend eden and got out for a couple of stalks as well so it was it was good, and I did a massive spring clean at my house, which I think probably a lot of people listening probably end up doing. It's a good thing to do after Christmas. Like four days, I was knackered. I did four days solid work. Like loft was redone, cupboard was redone. You know all those little odd jobs like door handles and uh, your stuff in the garage and just tidying. And yeah, it was four days of solid work. But you know from first thing in the morning until like nine at night kind of stuff. I cut a lot of wood as well my house to keep me warm <laughs> so I don't freeze. We've got another competition for you. This week we have the chance for you to win. I'm being distracted by my dog who's grumping. Life is so hard being a puppy. And uh, you know what? I mean, because I edit the shows, this dog disturbs more podcasts than any anything <laughs> else. 
he's sleeping now. Anyway, uh, we're giving you the chance to win a Hornady reloading manual. It is the very latest edition. It is the edition that I use. Actually, that's something else I was doing. Uh, reloading. Yeah, I was. I reloaded a lot more ammo in this last two-week period than I'd probably done in the previous 12 months just because I had a bit of time on my hands. And I also went and worked up some loads for some rifles that I hadn't managed to, to hand load for. So that was awesome. And I was using this reloading manual that we're going to give you the chance to win, which is the latest edition of, of Hornady. It has all the latest um, powders for the relevant cartridges and, of course, all the, the latest up-to-date cartridges up until the ones that are being released now at all the American shows because I know that Hornady uh, have just announced as of like two days ago a 300 PRC and that won't be in the book because it's only just been announced. Um, but I actually write about it in next month's Sporting Rifle. So you'll be able to read that if you read Sporting Rifle and check out the specs of what their um, 308 based cartridge is going to be. It's a ma- Magnum cartridge. So it's like a 300 win mag. Oh, was Santa good to you? Oh, hang on, we haven't told people how they can Oh, win. sorry. I, I, I thought you had. <laughs> Santa was good to me. Uh, we're going to make this a Facebook one. Uh, so if you use Instagram, we will mention it on there, but you'll have to enter it over on Facebook. We'll stick up a post today or tomorrow and just follow the instructions. And don't worry if you are a new listener. We don't just have all of our competitions on Facebook. We generally actually only have them on Instagram and um, and through email. It's just that this one first just for a year, change just for a change it's just going to be on facebook only uh so head over to podcast into the wilderness on facebook and you'll be able to enter there there you go and uh, and will it just be a picture uh, i'll put up a picture, a picture of the reloading manual i think, I think all you obvious. need to do is comment below yeah that will be so simple read the instructions but yeah that's probably so back to santa um santa was good to me um I, I, the, the problem when you say that uh, is you put me on the spot and I'm <laughs> racking my brains because I, I know all, all the things that I, that I gave out. Beth's giving me a funny look now. I got some new CrossFit shoes. Yeah. yeah. In fact, they've only just arrived today. I haven't I tried them on in the car awkwardly. I need to go and put them on properly, but they feel like they fit. Oh, well. super light. What else do you get? Quite a lot of other CrossFit gear. You didn't just get CrossFit stuff. No, I didn't. Stuff. No, I'm going through, I'm going through <laughs> the list. Uh, and uh, you got me a... It's probably the thing I've used the most of everything I've got given at Christmas, uh, which is a, a new seat for the foreshore. Well, that was what it was intended for, but you could use it for anything. And you, it it's also just, yeah, inflates, just an inflatable and you, you can float up. And uh, my, my buddy Eden has been very jealous in the, in the outings <laughs> that we've had because his ass has been cold and mine's been like sitting on a cloud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, got, uh, I got a new jacket. Did I get two new jackets or just one new jacket, but like a puffer. Like uh, we use them all the time. We had a Browning one, which I think must be at least six years old. We normally have one in the uh, office, but and I've just got a brand new, a brand new Rab one, which has been keeping me warm. And then I got some new trainers. They're kind of I think I talked about them before, just before in the the product podcast. But I've had them for about three years, and the heels are going. There's almost no tread on them, and they're called base camp shoes. They're kind of a hybrid between a a walking shoe and not quite a trainer. And I really like them. I got a bunch of tools as well. Mom and Dad bought me some tools. Cool tools. tools are good. Tools are good. And uh, over the Christmas period, I've been uh, I've been shooting a few times, but mainly actually just working the dog. I haven't shot a single thing. But um, the dog has been my dog has been borrowed by <laughs> every, everyone. I used your dog one day when you were busy, yeah. and he was great. Yeah, no, he's he's coming on really really nicely. I actually put up a post uh, 
last night asking people about uh, advice on how to put weight back on the dog. There's loads of responses to that. Well, I mean, the problem is, is he he shed like you cannot feed him. I can't feed him enough, and I have been giving him liver, and yet he still looks really skinny and and like skinny on the uncomfortable skinny side. And uh, I need to bulk them up, and I had a huge amount of responses, so maybe I need to go through them, because there was actually a few people that also messaged saying, when you get the responses, can you put the responses up, so we can see what the answer is. So, I mean, if you do have this problem with your dog of not being able to put weight on it, then give us an email, and let us know how you solve the problem, because there is other people that would like to know it as well. Well, we can stick it up on social, but we should probably mention it at the start of next podcast as well. We can run through them. Yeah, podcast at paceproductionsuk.com and uh, yeah we'll get some of those responses out and I will go and try some of them out we would very much appreciate if all of you kind listeners would go and leave us a review on whatever what, however you listen to this podcast uh, apart from Spotify there should be a way to leave a review it really helps us hopefully five stars but if you've got any criticisms let us know we'll try and Always try and make it better. Yep. Uh, we've got a few things coming up in the year. We are going to, like we said back in the last year, there is improvements happening to the show. Uh, there's improvements happening in the office. We're really just kind of sorting out the office this year that we're sitting right in front of a computer that is being... It's got its guts on the its table. It's guts everywhere, which I've just rebuilt, and you know that's the way to be used, and we've got a few other bits and bobs that we need to go and uh, repair and sell, and uh, I've just got a brand new drone that's sitting across there. That's how busy we've been. There's computer bits everywhere. There's a brand new drone sitting there. There's a new Steadicam thing sitting there. The start of the year is always a bit crazy. So I'm, I'm hoping, really hoping, by the end of February, maybe that we'll be in a position to uh, ramp the podcast up a bit more and um, yeah hopefully we've got a room behind where we're sitting now which is about to be gutted and turned into a permanent podcast studio yeah so uh, that's kind of what we're waiting on is making a studio so uh, and it will make a big difference because then we can set up cameras and then we can bring guests into a nicer situation nice environment uh, so yeah, that's that's the plan. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. It's been on the cards for the last 12 months, but it is actually happening now. Yeah, it is. We are moving forward, and there is progress. Yeah. Um, so all those people that we you will not believe the amount of people that ask us the biggest criticism is the podcast don't come out enough, and our <laughs> our aim is to rectify that. So and also like we said, bring some video content because right now we upload it to YouTube, and it's just the audio track. So hopefully we can. Uh, put a video track on Facebook and YouTube so that when we do have cool guests on, you get to see them chatting with us. Interacting, drinking coffee and that kind of thing. Or whiskey, late at night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We will be having some new podcast stickers made that can go on the outside. So currently we have car stickers, which you have to put inside your uh, windscreen or wherever you put them on on your window. Which we realized after we did it are completely useless for everyone here. Yeah, in, the in office. this office, because we've all got we've tinted, all got tinted windows, <laughs> so you can't see them. Uh, but most people seem to manage to use them fine, yeah. but it also means that you can't stick it on like a case, like yeah, a Pelly case, yeah, or, Pelly case or yeah, whatever. So we're going to have new ones made up in the next couple of weeks, so keep an eye on the shop. Uh, we still have Volume 2s uh, of Modern Huntsman, which you're going to hear all about in this podcast, yes. in the office as well. Volume 1 is completely sold out. We told you before Christmas, if you didn't... If you didn't get in there fast, you were not going to get one. And now, unfortunately, you will have to wait. Uh, I'm not quite sure. We don't even have a time frame because uh, 
we've yeah the, i know the guys in the states they've got limited numbers as well uh so basically we're looking at maybe getting some done over here but that's kind of further down the line so uh you'll need to you'll need to just wait but you can check all that stuff out over on the shop on thepacebrothers.com. We also have prints, which we mentioned before. And uh, they're limited number of prints. We're going to bring out new prints every few months of just a selection from our library. And, uh, yeah, some of them have been selling phenomenally well. But we, we limit them, so there'll be the maximum of 40 prints, and then that will be it, period. So you need to get them in quickly if you've got one that you particularly like then you need to go because on the we had two pictures i knew they would do pretty well and we had like the first batch of the limited number came in the office and they were sold within the hour of them going on yeah, on the store so that shows you how quickly they they are actually going the the popular ones i had something very exciting just uh before christmas which which was that my tar skin and skull and the chamois and the fallow um, antlers from my hunting in New Zealand last June arrived via FedEx, uh, and it it's awesome. It's it's so nice to to see it again, and I now have the skin in my house, and the skulls. Well, Beth's been positioning them around the house so that they look nice and what? fit in with the themes. That's good. Well, um, I mean, your stuff arrived safely. I mean, touch wood. None of the deliveries over Christmas. So far, we have not had a single email to say... We sent a lot of stuff. I think over the 300, 400 packages. Oh, that's individual, like, that's not items. That's just, mm. like, some people were, you know, have a lot more. Uh, when, in the in the first week, the the post office, only a local post <coughs> office, they were horrified. Literally, it horrified. would take them entire, an entire day to process all the... Our, our, um, our postage bill was, like, almost two grand. It's just it's ridiculous. <laughs> and we actually have, uh, for any listeners who have uh, ordered stuff right up to, uh, like, right before Christmas or between Christmas and New Year and now, uh, none of that has been sent yet because we only got back into the office on Monday um, as per the message which was on the website. Uh, but everything, as I can see, is all Beth has uh, packaged up, everything ready to go. It's so quite a big we, bundle there, actually. Yeah, when we leave the office today, that will be going to the post office. Yes, yeah, so. Do not fear your package is on its way, but you know we've had um, it was very um, touch and go with the Mon Huntsman that arrived because our customs in the UK had you know these are hundreds of copies, thousands of pounds worth in value, and the customs in the UK had decided that they would take the cellophane wrap off, which we had picture evidence of that was on in America, went on a ship, arrived in the UK, they took the wrap off, and you know what they did? Left it in the rain. Left it in the rain. That's exactly what they do every single time. Books. So we actually had a couple of damaged copies. Yeah, books uh, in the rain. And uh, yes, and then we got a package yesterday, which is our brand new drone and a piece of equipment for our Steadicam. And the box looked like it had been trampled on. So once again, the delivery driver is doing outstanding jobs. It's probably not the delivery driver's fault. I think it's more the the, the, the place that sorts it. But it can't be as bad. Was it you, Daryl, that showed me the video <laughs> China. of China? <laughs> A video yesterday of a, chi- I don't know, a Chinese sorting factory for parcels. And literally there were mountains of parcels and people were walking up over the parcels to go and get stuff and throw it down onto the conveyor belts. I, I think I think there's equal blame everywhere. I think on the whole, probably delivery drivers do a pretty good job. But there is some crap ones. And I'm, not t- I'm talking about everyone because even my postman who... 
unfortunately, I had a postwoman for about three years and she was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I never missed a parcel. She was very sensible about what items she left. Then now we have this other dude who sometimes just can't be asked leaving them. Or he does the outstanding thing of leaving packages in my dirty-ass barbecue. barbecue. And it is so filled with grease. I've never said to him once ever, oh, it's cool, you can leave it in the barbecue, <laughs> but you can't leave it in the big-ass outhouse that's open right next to it. I've never said that you could do that. And over Christmas, I had about three or four packages that the outside were just completely covered in grease. It's not even waterproof. So, Do you know, um, we had the same thing. And I moved my barbecue. I've, I've had to move my yeah. barbecue. So I've got to move things because of people's <laughs> stupidity in my own garden. Oh, dearie me. There is a lot that's been happening uh, in the last three or four weeks in the world of, of hunting and fishing from fish farms to literally today. Uh, there's some news out from the Scottish government to do with fox hunting and the number of hounds that they want to reduce packs to for hunting uh, which i'm not going to talk about in this intro but we are going to gather all of this because we we'll probably have about six or seven weeks of news items yeah, to, to catch, catch everyone up, on, up yeah. on and i think we'll probably try and put out a news piece uh, as a separate podcast fairly soon and, and that's that's the intentions going ahead is we're going to be a lot more up to date with with these these things when we have the studio up and running yep so uh, you'll uh, you'll be up to date when it happens all the time. Yeah, uh, and I think we've held you up enough. Well, I was going to say, gonna say something else. else. I was going to say you're going to hold them up. I can hold people up. It's fine. <laughs> people have gone back to work. We know all these people that we we look. We it's can see we can see actually. the stats. And over Christmas and New Year, um, well, what's amazing is <laughs> actually the amount of people that do download listen during Christmas. We and even New had Year. Christmas Day. Christmas Day. We even had orders on Christmas Day, um, and. Monday this week, most people went back to work and we saw a decline in listeners on Monday. And then the following day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the graph just spikes completely up. So everyone's gone back to work. They've had a busy Monday and now they hate their lives again. And they're like, what am I doing back at work? And let's listen to a podcast. And let's listen to a podcast. Which we're fine with. Yeah. I was going to ask you, did you see any good movies or TV series over the over the Christmas period? Good movies. Best of it. Oh yeah, we saw Aquaman. Yeah, I liked it. Worth a watch. Definitely, definitely worth. Do you have to be a superhero fan? No, you definitely don't. Because I'm, I'm not up to the speed with like all the Marvels and all the, all of the superhero stuff. I'm probably a few behind, Uh, and it completely stands alone. And it's yeah, it's it's a great film. I mean, the main the main actor whose name escapes me at the moment. He's a very cool guy. Uh, what's he, his name? Plays, Jason. Uh, yeah, he's he, a freaking huge guy. He's in um, Game of Thrones. People know Momoa. 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 Yeah, Momoa. Just, that's yeah, he's, yeah, he's huge. Um, he's very good in it. Yeah, and and so is Amber Heard. Amber Heard's in it. Ah, okay. And William Dafoe. Mm. Oh, I mean, what a lineup! Yeah, that's quite. A bit. I think that's the only cinema journey we we did over the. Any uh, TV series? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm up to date with Vikings. I'm not. I know, so I'm not going to yeah. give any spoilers, but uh, there's a new Vikings out tonight, being Thursday, and this latest season is, you know, on par or better than anything that's been, so... Oh, well, that, that'll be cool. Good. I watched, uh, I watched Bird Box, and, uh, yeah, it's quite... That's a big Netflix film, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. It's, uh, it's all over Netflix right now. I watched that last week. It's, it's very suspenseful. It's good. It's it's probably one of the best uh, thrillers. Is that a horror? I don't, the problem nowadays is that the classification for horror, I think, is quite skewed because 
what I used to regard, I don't know, it's like a horror thriller because now, like, the movie Saw and Hostel, That's like all co- they all come under, like, horror. But That's I, extreme horror. But I think they're, they're shit. <laughs> you uh, like them? No, I th- they're terrible Saw films. Saw was good. The first, the first, Saw, Saw, was the first awesome. Saw was fine. And then now you're on, like, Saw 28 or something. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. And for me... Horror films and thriller films have gone the way of instead of trying to be clever and suspenseful with music and cinematic it's effect, gore. it's gore. And for me, that's not uh, a good film. It doesn't have to be gory to be good. It like that's not the definition of a good uh, horror film. Uh, but Bird Box, I think, has all of the kind of correct elements of it's a psychological thriller because. You're always thinking what's what's happening, what's going to happen, oh, well, maybe we'll and with the that. music and everything. So it's it's worth a watch in terms of yeah, just the way they've put it together. I mean, it's all it's never going to be everyone's cup of tea. It's just it won't be. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a decent production. Oh, and I'll stick um, it on the list. What's her name? Uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. She was very good in it. I've not seen her in a movie in years. And me neither. But she was good in that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that's a movie, movie recommendations. Let's yeah. know. I watched First Man as well. Oh, it's I've not seen that. One with First Man on the Moon. First Man on the Moon. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was okay. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't rush out to go and see it, but you know, if if it happened to be on Netflix or or uh, another platform at some point, then it's worth a watch. But. Uh, I'd not. I wouldn't necessarily like go and buy it on DVD or something to go and see it, but it, it's worth a a quick watch. There was one other film that we watched. It was just before Christmas, and that was the um, Robert the Bruce one. I'm trying to think what it's called now. First, King. <sighs> um, I know what you're talking about. Outlaw King. Outlaw King. That's it. It was advertised everywhere at that rugby game. Well, I think they had a deal with Scott. Um, Scottish, the Scottish rugby. rugby team. Yeah. It, it wasn't a bad. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a bad, a bad film. film. I think. I think, in a way, the the good thing, but also the problem with it was it was quite historically accurate, which meant that there was a limit to how much you could like over dramatize it because they were kind of sticking to the timeline. Never go full Braveheart. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I I think I was kind of expecting Braveheart again. Yeah, it's always a tricky one because you know if you do Hollywood it too much, then it's not a historical film anymore. Is no, it's it? not. But I mean, it was very very well shot. It was a good, good, good film. It's worth a watch for sure. I, it does make me laugh though because they always get actors that aren't from Scotland <laughs> to play, to play so. main characters. Yeah, I don't. And I that. refuse to believe there isn't a character, there isn't an actor from Scotland that could play the role. It has to be. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't that bad at, no. at it. But uh, I just it makes me laugh because it always that always ends up happening. And apparently, a Scottish accent is quite hard to do. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe a fake one. Maybe a fake one. Uh, but now we have taken enough time. Now, now we have. So yeah. now we're going to jump into the podcast uh, with Katie Smith. Enjoy. Katie, welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You know, you were sat in the room earlier today when we recorded Tyler's podcast, which I think is going to come out before we release this podcast to the world. And he, he was dropping quite a lot of uh, little hints to this podcast that we're going to record now, which is going to start by focusing on your role within Modern Huntsman as a designer. It's a good place to start. It is a great place to start. <laughs> yeah. 
obviously we've got volume two on the table here, but if let's look back to pre-volume one Kickstarter time, and at some point somebody must have had a conversation with you to say, this is what we need to do. Can you please help dream up a vision for how it's going to look and feel? Right. Um, well, according to Brad, which the details are a little fuzzy for me, but um, he actually reached out to me before Modern Huntsman was much of anything but an idea. And at the time, I had just kind of started freelancing and nothing really came of it. Um, then Tyler and I met, um, started dating. So this is kind of like pre-Tyler and I. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And um, Fate. Yes. And then he came across Tyler and they connected and then we kind of realized that we had had a previous conversation but it was still just such a new idea that nothing had really happened mm. um and that was about the time I started designing for a magazine in Los Angeles it was a women's magazine to completely different demographic um but I just enjoyed it so much and we started talking about what it might look like for me to work on a Tyler and I had always wanted to work on a book together and I just finished his branding and it was very much in line with what Modern Husband wanted to do design wise and Brad and I have a very similar design aesthetic so it just kind of became a natural progression Brad did not want to do the design for the book he's a phenomenal designer but it's just not something oh, he I didn't really, realize that was his thing yeah as well. so he's also a designer and um, very very talented but has never really wanted to do layout design. Um, layout design is probably my favorite form of design, so it kind of came together So you're nicely. the perfect person for it. Yeah, yeah, so it worked really well. And, and what, I mean, Modern Huntsman looks so different to any other hunting publication I've ever seen. You know, Volume 1 looked different. Volume 2 even has a, a little bit of a different feel, but you can see the connection between 1 and 2. What was your thought process as you were trying to work out how do I need to lay this out so that it, so that the design carries with the message and the ethos of the content? Because it very much right. does, I feel. Um, it's interesting. I think a huge reason why it looks so different from anything in the industry is that I've never actually read any other hunting okay. out magazines. So you've never looked at any of them, which no. does help. Because if, if, yeah. you, if you don't... If, even without thinking about it, if you've mm -hmm. read hundreds of publications, you're obviously going to think there is something there that I like. I'm going to take right, that. right. You kind of naturally mimic what you enjoy. Yeah. And I enjoy architecture and interior design magazines. And I grew up on National Geographic and Outsider magazine. National Geographic. I mean, we still get it oh, today. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a classic. Yeah. Everyone knows about it. And so. Um, my background and what I preferred for an outdoors magazine was a bit more um, photojournalistic, um, a little bit more of a documentary eye. Um, and then my very, very brief experience in the hunting industry was just a little bit away from that. And when my involvement in Modern Huntsman, I wanted to kind of bring things back to that documentary style where it felt like just the facts and a story told really purely um, and then also bring in my design preference with architecture, which is very clean lines, um, minimal ornamentation, and really let the content speak for itself. So There's no clutter. No clutter. So before you met Tyler, before you were involved in Modern Huntsman, you had no hunting background whatsoever. Or I did have, you? <laughs> maybe. I have never been on a hunt okay. other than sitting in a, you know, in a field with my dad growing up, but I have three brothers and 
my dad and my brothers always did the hunting and then my mom and I would just cook what they brought home. And so I've grown up comfortable, but never participating. So very, very limited experience. But that's going to change. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think is. you're going to have much choice. I, I really don't think at this point I have much choice. <laughs> yeah. You're 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 pretty mm-hmm. deep into it now. I am. And I have a newfound appreciation. At the time, it just seemed like something they enjoyed doing that we benefited from because we had a freezer with meat most of the year. And my mom didn't have to spend as much money on groceries with four children. Um, now, seeing it through my experience with Modern Huntsman, being on the inside so to speak a bit more um i've really had a newfound appreciation for the tradition um and also just how it affects uh the entire world what was the feedback like for you as the brains behind the designing of volume one once it was in people's hands and you started to hear Mm -hmm. the feedback um it was a little overwhelming um i don't think i realized it was going to be so well received uh i'm just so apart from that industry and in the design world i thought you know i I think the content's really good and this is going to be well received among my design peers but i in my head i just never really thought how is this going to be received by the actual hunting community Mm. until it was and i realized how much this was needed and how much maybe a new set of eyes was needed in the industry particularly a set of eyes that hadn't been exposed or I guess had a bias toward towards it I had no personal bias at all except for that I thought the photography was beautiful the stories were really moving um and there was an opportunity to tell them in a way that maybe was a little bit better received and Honestly, I think one of the most interesting parts of volume one was how it was received in the design community and among friends who had no association or a negative association with the hunting community because my community is kind of split a bit more. And so, in fact, at the time, my roommate was a vegan, very... When when you were doing volume one? While I was doing volume one. Um, She was... she, She... is a very devout vegan and we would have some great conversations about it. And that I think was probably the most meaningful experience is giving her volume one and her eyes opening and saying, we might not still agree on everything, but I, this is very palatable to me and I understand it in a way that I didn't before. And I can appreciate what you're doing and I might still not eat meat, but it really doesn't bother me the way I thought it would. And I thought, okay, awesome. This is great. So you're, you're doing something right. Right. And, yeah. and you know, it's not to get every single person in your camp, but to maybe just have a better understanding of where everyone stands on both sides and um, maybe form a bit of a bridge. So to give people a bit of a background on your designing, how did that begin? How long have you been doing it and what? path have you taken to do your design work? Right. So um, I went to school for design for um, at Auburn University. And so I this always, is after high school. This is after high school. Yeah. Um, and wanted to go to, into graphic design because it was the only form of art and illustration where I felt like I could make money. <laughs> and so um, that kind of started me down the path. I wanted to go into publication always originally. I uh, wanted to write and design books. Um, and then if that didn't work out, do magazines. 
of course, this was kind of at a time when everyone thought print was dying. Mm. So no one was giving new jobs to yeah, very yeah, inexperienced yeah. junior designers when the whole industry was at risk. So um, instead, I actually got a very exciting job as a layout designer for an agency that made training manuals. Um, oh, sounds is, sounds riveting. You know, it really was. It was a, really the pinnacle of my. It was career. almost sincere the way you said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yeah. kind of training? Um. So it was. Was, it, so was at least an, it was at least an interesting topic. <laughs> no, it was not. Um. It was training new hires for Walmart. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Walmart and H E B and some really huge companies. Um. I did not at all believe in the business model of our clients, which was. Um, soul crushing and then um, <laughs> it also just the design was um, dry very dry stock, and a bit outdated was, was a lot of stock photos of people smiling of stock photos <laughs> a lot of really loud neon colors trying to get you excited and um, you didn't have a lot of scope I did not. Your own flair. And I was a very, very junior designer. So um, I also so didn't have a lot voice, of street cred. Your, your voice wasn't very loud. <laughs> right. I was pretty, uh, pretty much just an add on. You got to start somewhere, though. Right, right. And so I knew pretty much immediately that I wanted to leave and started <laughs> freelancing. Um, and then actually, my big break into freelancing was um, Fossil, the watch company, had an opening, yeah. a very, very temporary two month opening on their catalog team. And I thought, okay, this is a bit closer to what I wanted to do. So I just took the leap, quit my job, knew this job was only going to last two months, and I had two months to figure out how to freelance. Um, but what I was not expecting is that the creative director at Fossil would be such an amazing mentor to me as far as my mindset before going into freelance. Um it was an incredible experience. He was very supportive. He helped me find so many clients when I started freelancing. The first year of freelancing was horrible. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, what actually, kind of work were you picking up? Oh, anything I could get. <laughs> so I was doing advertising, social media graphics, um, logos, but I didn't really know how to make logos at the time. So I was just kind of trying to figure it out. Uh, so I really probably should sincerely apologize to everyone who hired me that first year because I was, <laughs> was so new. But then again, I also charged next to nothing. So yeah. it really got quite the deal. Um, but I started working at a coffee roaster just to kind of make some ends yeah, meet yeah, yeah. at the same time. And that's when I met most of the creative community in Dallas that's really connected me to Brad with Modern Huntsman. Was he in having coffees, was he? Um, no, but he was part of the similar creative community. Okay. Uh, it's where I met Tyler. Is it a meetup thing? What is well, it? it was just a coffee shop, but it was a coffee shop in a neighborhood that had tons of small business owners, tons of independent creatives. So, so that was the place mm -hmm. to be to meet yeah. ne network. And they had no choice but to talk to me to order their coffee. <laughs> so <laughs> it worked out great. Amazing. Yeah. And what was the what was the jump from that to being... Volume Here, one. yeah, yeah, it it was quite a jump. Um, so I met Tyler, who introduced me to a guy named Rocky, who ended up being my business coach, and he overnight changed my entire studio, my mindset, everything, um, to where I stopped seeing myself as a freelancer and started seeing myself as a business owner, and then I started going after work I really wanted, and the work I wanted was editorial, mm -hmm. hands down. Um, so my first big client was this um, magazine in Los Angeles. It was a women's magazine that was kind of getting started. Um, we, Me and the editor really 
partnered together to get it off the ground and it was very successful. And I think seeing how that went from a Kickstarter to a successful magazine, um, I was able to prove to Tyler and Brad that... Um, so the model had been done I before. could do this, yeah. And they knew the content. They knew the demographic. They knew exactly what they wanted Modern Huntsman to be. And I knew that if they gave um, me the responsibility of making the book something people would want to buy that that it could work and I remember there was a meeting we'd had so many meetings about what Modern Huntsman could be um I think both of us were thinking it probably would never happen because of all the conversations and we were sitting in a hotel lobby and finally we're like okay let's just stop dreaming for a moment and talk about what actually needs to happen now and it was in that meeting that the entire Kickstarter campaign came together right and I think we launched two maybe three months later uh, so it was a whirlwind but we finally made some traction <laughs> so you just you just had to instead, just of, had instead to of talking it. about it just do it just do it and we'll kind of figure out how this thing will grow over time and of course just like anything as it starts to gain credibility and people start to pay attention it evolves in ways you never expected hmm. so it it was good that we just well, got started. Now you're sitting in Scotland on, right. our, on our podcast. Right. <laughs> so really, you know, we've reached really success. Made it now, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think about, uh, you, you were saying that at the time when you were getting into it, the, the thinking was that print was dying. Right. It feels, and I remember that, have it writing for hunting magazines during that period and after, there was very much this conversation, is it all going to go digital? Will everyone be reading everything on an iPad? Things need to be more interactive. And I think that is the case, but print is still alive. It is. And then we're seeing things like you know, Modern Huntsman. Okay, there's an, there's an electronic version of it, and there is stuff online that spin off for the back of the publication. But this is a super high-level brand new in terms of it didn't exist before, but also new in terms of vision. And it's working. So it print is. is not dying. No, it's not. It's changed. It's changed. It's changed. So what, what, did, what do you see? That, what, what has been the change? Right. So when I first wanted to be a magazine, it was around that time. And magazines at the time were just so full of advertising. Um, it was more of a column-based format. So smaller articles, lots of advertising. You'd have maybe two featured long format articles. Um, but it was a pretty canned format for almost every magazine and then everything went digital and I was involved in a few digital pro projects we were even trying to turn a few of those training manuals digital um, <laughs> but I also worked on one digital magazine and I think my experience it, it's still alive but I think barely and my experience with that is subscribers didn't quite interact with the digital magazine the way that they did with print there was less loyalty. Um, the attention span was a lot lower. Their expectation was a lot higher for multimedia. Um, and you just couldn't keep up with that at a similar pace because in order to produce high-level media, you, you can't do that monthly. It's no. just it's too hard and it requires too much of a budget. Um, so print started to seem more feasible again. But I think what we found and who... I will always be inspired by is I think Ken Folk really did turn the tables as far as um, how we approached a printed publication and people started really paying attention, but they had less patience for advertising. They wanted to see quality content, 
laid out in a very well-designed, intentional way, and they wanted something that they could hold on to and display over time. It wouldn't lose its value with the next issue. It was a collector's item. And so I think print has changed to to be more of a collector's item. It, it and needs less, to be quality. It needs to be quality. Yeah, because yeah. people don't need uh, magazines for news. You can get that on social media. You can get that online quickly. So if we're not going to printed publications for news, then why are we going to them? And I think it's because it's to record a moment in time and have something that's that evolves but doesn't become a throwaway. I mean, I guess like the National Geographic, they're, mm-hmm. although be it monthly, mm-hmm. they are probably the only monthly magazine that I would have on my tabletop. Right. Because visually, the, you know, the front cover of every National Geographic has a very nice nice visual to it. They do. And then the only other magazines that are really nice are the ones that are coming out once every two months, once every three months. The The monthly or weekly ones just don't have the time. They don't have the... It, it's difficult. How it can is. they get all the articles and the pictures and everything together and expect it to be a quality thing time after time? It's just not possible. It's not possible. And I think one of the reasons National Geographic never went out of business is because their model has always been very much to document um, what's going on in a moment of time with a group of people, with a culture, geographically, and it isn't just pressing news that yeah. is fleeting. And it's very, it has a lot of depth. The standard of their pictures have always been amongst the highest in the world of any publications. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look back even at the magazines from, I've got a collection from years and years, you look back and people are only actually catching up now to what, what how they produce their pictures. Absolutely. When we've discussed with uh, with Tyler on previous podcasts and when we were talking about volume two when we recorded earlier today, we discussed the the idea that Modern Huntsman as a, as a publication isn't just made for people who hunt, but it's made for, for everybody, uh, and, and particularly the people who, who don't but can hopefully get something out of it. From the design perspective, how what did you have to consider when you were putting it together so that that part of the message was carried through and was, I'm trying to think of a better word than palatable for other people, right. but you know what I'm saying. But a bit, yeah. Well, um, it started off with volume one where, and we've done this with every volume, where Tyler's just let me pick whatever photos I like. So in volume one, it was um, mainly all hunting dogs. Which, of course, wasn't going to fly. <laughs> no one wanted a magazine what, what just on dogs. Picked? Yes. <laughs> From front, um, co- front cover to back yes. cover, hunting dogs. <laughs> so it was just all the dog pictures. I know you like... you. <laughs> my, 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 my hound has become quite fond of you. Yeah, I always like the dogs. Um, and it was lots of landscapes. Um, so we did have to compromise a bit on actually showing what hunting is. <laughs> but um, going back, I think that... The best example is in college. I got really into um, a magazine called, oh shoot, now I'm going to forget it, but it's it was Farmer's, um, I don't know if it was Farmer's, um, anyways, it was a farming magazine. I have no experience in agriculture or farming, but the design was beautiful, and I would buy it and keep it on my studio desk for design inspiration. Amazing. Well, I'm thinking in the same way, well, what if someone had a hunting magazine where the design was so, you know, inspiring or well thought out that they just bought it as design inspiration and then happened to read the content. And I think in some ways that's happened a bit where 
it's become more of a coffee table book and, or it's designed in a way that other designers, other creatives or other are, are, outdoor enthusiasts might it enjoy it. it. Yeah. Right. Because there's incredible photography and we've kept the layout very minimal so that, you know, that photography really speaks. And we have such incredible contributors. It really, Thanks. it makes it easy on me. Yeah. yeah it, I know. Anytime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Front cover of volume two. Yes. It's not even a hunting from it's cover. It's not. It doesn't have a hunting dog on it. There's not a gun. There's not mm-hmm. even a person. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bold. It is. And I argued for that cover. <laughs> and you won. I won. Um, and I like to say I was right. It's but an awesome front cover. Thank what? you. Well, Chris Burkhardt is a very, very talented photographer. But I wanted something textural for this, um, for this cover. Because, for one, we were talking about public lands. And how do you show all of the public land in one image on the cover. You really can't because it just changes so much. And I wanted something that kind of spoke um, a bit to the topic, but also piqued the interest where you didn't quite know what it was. Some people even think it's an illustration and don't believe that it's a photograph, even though it is. I've actually seen almost the same picture by a different photographer before. So I know. Really? I, okay. So you knew where it was. So I know. I, I knew okay. I knew straight away it was Iceland. I okay. didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Straight I had no away. idea what it was until, right. until I started yeah. to look. Yeah. No one. Well, not a lot of people knew. And um, a lot of people thought it was an illustration. And I think that in some ways, you know, with the first issue, you need to a little bit meet the expectation. You don't want to go too far out there. You kind of want to toe that line between giving something new and then also um, gaining some credibility in the industry. But I think with this one, I wanted to do something that just started to shift the perspective a bit more. And I really like that people can't quite tell what it is because then you get into the magazine and you really read through it a bit in a different way. Yeah, it's it's an intriguing front cover. Yes. There is, is. Other than the title... Which even then, I don't think. I think people would still be intrigued. It's enough for you to pick it up, mm-hmm. definitely. Which so you you've succeeded. Oh, thank you. And I wanted some high contrast between volume one and volume two, yeah. so that as you begin collecting these issues, they really feel like a full, cohesive collection, and not just the same magazine over and over again. Now, this is a question that we probably should have asked when we we're on the podcast. But I'm going to ask anyway. Okay. Are people always going to be able to get from the beginning? So at one point, there's going to be volume 10, but will you be able to order the back order of volume 1, 2, 3, 4 if you've only just started at 10? That might be a bigger question. I I just thought I'd put it out there. I think that we'll always aim to have limited quantities at at certain moments so that people can have the full collection. I don't think it so will like, always be available, but so we'll like always Christmas have moments. Or something, there'll be a, a moment that you mm-hmm. can get all of them. I think we'll aim to have various short runs so that for collectors of the magazine at different moments in time, you can Possibly get back orders fill and fill I wasn't collection. trying to force you into a decision at this moment in time. I just thought it would be, yeah, it would be no. a, it's an interesting question. Well, and because we have the collection idea in mind where we do want everyone to have all of these issues because we tackle different topics. Um, we would want for them to be available so that uh, they could fully experience the modern hunting yeah. philosophy. But the bottom line is right now, if it sounds like right something now, you're intrigued by, do it, just do go it, out and buy it. it. <laughs> so, you, so you're not behind. Yes. Yeah, so right. Because it won't always be available. There's two things I was going to... Uh, w- the first thing I was going to mention, which was related to before when we were talking about the front cover, was 
the first time with volume one when it arrived the cleanliness of the front cover compared to a lot of publications here where we're used to seeing a picture which is then mashed with little thumbnails and little captions of what you're gonna what you're gonna see inside so that you can look on i know why they do that because it's so that when it's on the newsstand you can glance by and say oh yeah this this and this is in that publication i like that i'll pick it up and i would say if i was to go and stand in the newsstand now not just hunting publications the vast majority that is how they look with these little captions and and normally there'll be a competition within it as well to go win this that is very far removed from how modern huntsman looks so a huge reason that magazines have those call outs for newsstands is to get the attention of a consumer when they're actively competing with right next to their competitor magazines and that's why you always have the same kind of topics together right Right, and basically what they're trying to do um is pique your interest with the headlines uh so that you want to pick up the magazine and flip through it. I don't think newsstand has ever really been our goal. And so that became unnecessary because uh, if we're okay. going to be in, say, um, some kind of outfitting store and you have your, we have the books next to merchandise and clothing and it becomes part of the lifestyle, we're not needing to scream to get anyone's attention. You're not, you're not trying to compete. Right. You're we're not, not trying doing to compete. Newsstand. Yeah. Right. So the goal hasn't really been, and, and who's maybe we'll be on newsstand at some point, but for now it's really been more, uh, it would be a more of a partnership with other brands. And right now it's just direct to consumer through subscribers. Um, and so we haven't had that necessity, which has given us the freedom to keep the cover clean. Um, it's thankfully. refreshing. Yeah. And when it's in someone's home and it's next to all the other louder magazines, our hope is that guests will look at this one and pick it up and want to flip through it and become subscribers themselves one of the things that um my girlfriend beth pointed out to me in even in volume one and particularly again now when she was just had a chance to flick through volume two is the the level of thought that is required in the fonts that you pick and the the way that you lay out and size text compared to pictures and I can't really think, certainly in the hunting space, of any other publication that spends that clearly must spend as much time as that thinking, you know, thinking and designing that as part of the layout. Because it's not just making sure you've got pictures, the right pictures in the right places with text, and get that body of text to balance it. You've got different, loads of different fonts throughout that. Right, and we did why? not. Like, why? Why have you done that? Right. So in issue one, we only had two fonts, but we used all of their weights. This one, we branched out a bit more. I have to definitely give credit to Professor Kelly Bryant from college, who taught me all of the rules of publication typography and just instilled in me a devotion to um, the rules of type. And so going into designing volume one, um, I already had an appreciation for uh, natural margin and columns and you know how many letters can be next to each other how much space can be in between each letter when you squint your eyes it needs to be 60% gray on every page and 
I knew so all those. There are it. some. It's a good thing you hurdles. went to university. Cause <laughs> if you'd asked me to done that, you would have got Times New Roman across the whole thing. Right. <laughs> um, and so I had all those rules in my head. And what's funny is when you've studied it, but you've never gotten the opportunity to do it. Do it in practice, yeah. Um, it was such an amazing experience to actually get to apply something that I had wanted to practice for years. Um, and so that was a lot of fun with volume one. I mean, other than the stress of production, I can't imagine more of a dream project than working on Modern Huntsman because of the creative liberty they give me, um, to really experiment with design. Um, and then in volume two, we played a bit more with type in the title headlines, and I wanted to have a little bit more opportunity to play and bring out the personality of each article so it didn't feel like a redundant set of columns. Really trying to get away from that column type of publication and more into thoughtful articles. Um, and then we, I have some ideas for things I really want to play with in volume three and volume four, just continue to raise the bar and introduce new things and see how the community responds to different forms of design. And in volume one, we used a font called Charter that I love. It's very easy to read. I, volume one was supposed to be approachable. That was the whole point of that that issue was to really set the tone, introduce the community to what we were trying to do. And that was a very, very approachable font. Um, it's very easy to read, uh, had really great X height, which meant that the articles were, um, there's a little bit more fluidity to them. Once we did volume one and it did well, I have, uh, Garamond is another font that I'm in love with and have always liked using because it feels very classic. And so with this issue, I wanted to branch out to a different font that felt just a little bit more classic um, to give it more of a journalistic feel. Back to your Times New Roman. <laughs> it's just a little bit more elegant, yeah. but it's in that seat. You're, you're on the right train of thought. There you go. Don't you? Could be a you really were. Done. Could be. Um, because, and I think I mentioned this to you the other night, um, Byron, I really enjoy reading, uh, for instance, the New Yorker because I just love their format for long, um, long articles and it's very easy to read. And I like the way that they combine really long articles with illustration and photography. Um, and so I wanted this to read in a similar way, um, and so I went back to some of the more traditional typefaces that were used for newspaper and uh, literary journals and then combined that with the layout for more modern interior and architecture magazines. And you have modern husband. It's like an art form in itself. Uh, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> crazy. Because the, the title that you had in our Scottish article, mm -hmm. the title felt Scottish. Ah, oh, that's awesome. It had almost like a, it had like a Celtic edge mm -hmm. to it. And I don't know why, but that was the first thing I saw when I when I saw the way the, the, the title was. I mm -hmm. thought, yeah, that, it feels oh, like the awesome. picture looks. I spent some time on those titles and um, that's where I really felt like I could have fun with each of, with each article to really give the personality behind the contributor hmm. in some ways or, or to really showcase the content in a different way. 
Um, I think one of my favorite titles is the Chris Burkard. Um, I wanted that to feel a bit cinematic because uh, his photography is just so epic. Yeah. And uh, the, so unique. It is. It is. And so I wanted it to have that that romantic cinematic feel. The hunting is not enough article. I wanted to play with scale because of uh, going around on a bus and, and just the photography of that that opening spread really played with scale and I wanted to similarly do that with type and um, so each each title is very subtly trying to re-emphasize um, some of the underlying themes of that article it's uh, yeah it's a beautiful thing from go, start to finish going back to a more business side of thing we've mm-hmm. we've had guests on before talking about kind of just following their dreams and kind of just jumping in your path has actually been fairly similar because you you mm-hmm. went to university mm-hmm. you got your degree at least then, you studied something that you wanted to do <laughs> but you like, you studied something <laughs> yes. you wanted to do you then got a job that you hated right and then you took the leap into effectively being self-employed mm-hmm. so how 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 was that like because it's it's terrifying we, we've, we've done it right uh, how, how do you get your head around like i need to do this and advice well, you maybe yeah, give to other people. You give to other people. Right. So many people that would love to do something that they love to do. Right. But it's very difficult when you've got a solid nine to five mm-hmm. and the security of that to make the break. Right. I think, funny enough, uh, the thing that's always worked for me is that I enjoy working and I've always enjoyed working. Um, I've had a job since I was probably 14 or 15 and I love to work. So that helped when I very naively jumped into self-employment, not at all prepared. Uh, I barely knew anyone in the city where I was living. I had maybe one or two very inconsistent clients, um, no savings, and just believed that I could do it um, based on nothing. So Believing you can do it I is, just a, like, is a good way to start. I know I can do this, and I'm willing to work hard. Um, and that first year was very hard. I now in hindsight try to encourage people to have a bit of a plan a, bit, a little bit of buffer yeah. really helps you sleep at night um and eat right right exactly um and so i think i i really did get to a place where i realized that i had no idea what i was doing and i jumped in way too soon and that's when i got the coffee shop job and realized that relationships were so key for me to do what I wanted networking. to do. And it wasn't even just networking because at the I didn't realize it was networking at the time. It was just, I was so hungry for a creative community. I mean, I, I can remember vividly sending an email to another designer saying, it looks like you found other designer friends in your, the city where you live. How might I do the same? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, it was def- I was Craigslist just, friends yeah, wanted exactly, <laughs> and, preferably um, with an interest in design. Exactly, <laughs> and so I was just craving that community so badly, and but really ended up being networking, um, where this person knows somebody needs a designer, and then you just kind of get plugged in, and then all of a sudden opportunities come left and right, and so I would say get out of the house and go talk to people. So where are you from originally? Uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And then you, where did you go to university? Auburn University, where? which is in Alabama. In Alabama. Mm-hmm. And now you're in... Now I'm in Montana. But you were in Dallas. I was in Dallas. So you went yes. Dallas, Montana. Yes. Okay, got you. Yeah, so... You like Montana? I love Montana. It's amazing. I never thought I would say that. 
Were you more of a a city girl before? I was always a self-proclaimed city girl. And I think part of that is because that's where the design has always been. Okay. Um, So I thought in my head, if I get into a rural environment and I don't have new um, and fresh design around me, then I might not be as good of a designer or I might lose the edge. But I think the opposite is true in that there's some oversaturation where you start regurgitating what everyone else is doing. And I felt like design has actually come a bit easier when I've eliminated some of that noise. Interesting. Plus, everything's available online. Yeah, yeah. if you really... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you, so got, you feel like you have more freedom of your mind yes. in a more rural mm-hmm. place. I, I can just think a little clearer. And your top designing tools... Uh, Adobe. Adobe? (laughs) Pinterest. So, ironically, uh, the very, um, I don't know if it's dying or just not as well used, world of Tumblr is still Uh, one of my favorite outlets. I used to use Tumblr years ago, and I just kind of, I fell out of love with it. Well, that's the best part. I didn't have time for it, but it's still going. Everyone fell out of love with it, and then I discovered it. (laughs) A rediscovery. Yeah. <laughs> really? And I do have a. Do you know? I actually have Tumblr. I downloaded it really? years ago. And well, I don't understand it, so you I, can show me how it works. I was using it like Pinterest. <laughs> Didn't even know that there was the ability for people to follow me. And then I check one day and it's like 44,000. What? Followers. On Tumblr? <laughs> yes. And it was. Uh, I still don't do anything with it other than just the reblog things that I like. But when you put a picture on Instagram, can you uh-huh. send it to Tumblr? You can. Um, and I, I don't know why I don't do that. I probably I've just, should. I just, yeah, I, I just want to see if you can, uh, can do it. I can't believe you've got 44,000 people follow <laughs> you on Tumblr. I know. And it's sometimes I forget about it for six months and then I'll go back and maybe do but a what's, couple. What's on your Tumblr? It's basically Pinterest. I just think that it, it's just new photos that is it, I have. Is it your work seen. or stuff you've pinned it's from other people? It's stuff I've pinned from other people. So it's like Pinterest, but. Basically, yeah. So okay, this is, just is, a second I, Pinterest. I need to check this yeah. Tumblr thing this out. This is going to be another social yeah. media thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that one's a funny one because I put the least amount of effort into it and it has been the most successful, but probably because it's just reblogging. But, um, but I found a lot of inspiration there just because it's different from what I've seen on Pinterest. Okay. Uh, and it's less design focused and more photography focused. And in some ways, getting away from too much design influence um, can be good for me as far as coming up with fresh ideas. So, what, What's going to be the next the big um, social media platform craze? Oh gosh, I wish I knew. I'd get on it immediately. You'd be designing it. Right, there's, be designing there's, there's it. There's been lots of little startups that are yeah. for a while. What was that called? It began with a V or something. Uh, Vero. Yes. That appeared and then, that? Disappeared. and then disappeared. I don't even know what that is. Within two weeks, it disappeared. I wonder. Um, well, it's still about, but right, no right, one right. Uses it. But no one uses it. I wonder if it'll be something video related, well, like well, a like a like a, an evolved YouTube. Of some kind. It was like, what was, was it Periscope? Yeah, Periscope was what big was for again? a bit. That was the basically like wi- live webinar video. Yeah. Um, but, but now everyone that, does that, Facebook Live. Was that part of um, Skype or something? Somebody Periscope. bought it. Something like that. I think, I think when, when you get certain companies like mm-hmm. Instagram, who's owned by Facebook, right. I think when Periscope came out, within a month, you could then go live on Instagram. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, th- I think they literally try and crush their opponent yeah. as quickly as they can. So basically, you just spend a ton of money developing something that you think is very cool and innovative. 
creative yeah. and fresh, and then Facebook just copies it overnight and then crushes, and crushes you. your dreams, <laughs> or or buys you, or buys you, which, which well, is really the thing. nice it's alternative. A good, it's a good thing for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were discussing this around the dinner table the other night that I'm I'm very very close to actually just deleting the Facebook app off my oh, phone so that same. it forces me. I have to use it for some work, but it mm-hmm. forces me to maybe just spend thirty minutes on it when I get into my office, right? And then that's it. Be and then done. I close the tab down, and then it won't be on my phone. Right. I, I am so done with Facebook. I, I like Instagram. Like I do too. At, at the weekends, I'll go on Instagram. I, I like mm-hmm. taking the stories and stuff on Instagram, mm-hmm. but I hate Facebook. It really is a terrible, terrible platform. It, it's I, full of hate as well. It's full <laughs> of hate. It's full. I really think they've rigged the algorithm to like increase your heart rate. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I wonder if they have some kind of deal with, you know, like health clinics down the road <laughs> wow but, conspiracy um, <laughs> theory not heard that yeah. one before. but uh but yeah i really am not a fan of facebook and actually something i was talking to you about that i really really wish i could get more of the modern huntsman contributors to post their content on pinterest because yeah. i have loved that platform we'll get on it you've got to do it that's it i think we might exchange yeah. facebook for pinterest do yeah. it do it i can't do another one so i, I have to something else to give right i am a bit tired of seeing all of the recipes and blog posts title graphics on pinterest but i love the platform and so i would just love for more photographers to get on it so it would just turn it back into a tumblr-esque We'll, we'll get on it. Again. We'll change so it. I'm we'll really, change it. This is a call out so, to all photographers. So, so, so people can follow you on Pinterest. I've only yes. ever used it once, and that was to mm-hmm. pin stuff because I wanted to make a man right. cave. Uh, but I, I didn't <laughs> right. actually look at if you could actually mm-hmm. follow people's profiles or mm-hmm. anything. So you yeah. you can actually build a little following for you yourself. You can. You can. Um, mine's a bit smaller on Pinterest because I had two different accounts for a while. Um, but then I realized that was just double the work. So... I've now consolidated to just drop cap design on Pinterest, but but you're also drop cap design on Instagram. It's true. So yeah. I, you know, consistency has been key. Um, but yeah, have you found uh, because over the last three years, uh, you know, everyone has a, a Facebook page when you start your own little business. Um, you know, that is the go-to place. Have you found? Uh, Instagram and Pinterest more useful than Facebook because we know that from our own personal um, thing, I I th- I don't think we've actually had any business through Facebook. Uh, not sure. That we All of really. the we we've we've had we've made a lot of contacts and we've done a lot of business off the back of the photography being on Instagram right. um, and meeting you guys. <laughs> I mean that's uh, that's how you you um you saw our right. our work. So right. we wouldn't even be having this conversation if it wasn't for our photography being on Instagram. Is totally. it the same for you? The, the- yes. So I have yet to ever receive business from Facebook. So they, <laughs> I think it's a pretty pay to play. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I think it was two years ago that I started actually putting my own work on Pinterest. And that's when I started getting international clients, which was a really fun new pivot for the studio. Instagram will always, well, I say always, it has for now been the best place to form relationships. I don't think there's another app that's allowed me to form online business relationships in the way that Instagram Instagram. has, and they've made it easy. Um, So I am very loyal to Instagram, and I think I will be until it no longer serves that 
purpose, but um, you just pray. You pray. You pray that because you know it's owned by the same people. You just pray that they don't meddle with it so much that it becomes unusable, like you just said, a pay to play. Right. Right. And I I think we're seeing some signs. I think. I think over the last, Mm -hmm. we've seen particular things where you go, hang on a minute, why, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And I, I, potentially it's because you're mentioning certain things in right. in the description and, and so mm-hmm. on, but yeah. It's a little, I will say the algorithm is a little frustrating only in that I don't think it's a true indication of who you've chosen to follow on the platform. And whenever I feel like my community is being meddled with, it's not so much that I... I mean, of course I want people to see my content, but it's not even so much that. It's that I really want to keep up with the people that I've formed relationships with on the app. And I think they've made it harder to do that. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, that's sometimes been you feel like you, you haven't mm-hmm. seen someone for a while. But I right. mean, it, 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 I've, there's a few people I've gone, where have they gone? Right. And then they're, they're still putting content up. It's just that it's not you been coming into it. my feet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that can be a bit frustrating because then there's the added step of having to search for their content regularly. I, I think our feed looks pretty good because I had a policy for a while. Uh, even <laughs> if somebody you, annoyed me, just got rid even, of them. <laughs> even if I knew them and they were a good friend yeah. of mine, if they put three crap pictures up in a row, they <laughs> yeah. were gone. Oh, I think that was a pretty good policy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three structure for, out. For me, Instagram was looking at good pictures. Mm-hmm. And in, unless I really, really, really want to keep in contact with a person, three bad pictures, you're gone. Yeah. That's it. I ain't never generous. Yeah. Sometimes Brutal. it's one. One bad photo. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> Is there anything, and the answer to this might very well be no, because you need to keep your cards close to your chest, mm-hmm. but... Is there anything that you can share with us in terms of your vision for next issue? Tyler told us what the next issue yeah. is going to be about. It's going to be about um, wildlife management. Mm-hmm. I guess you're already thinking about this. You I probably am. started thinking about it before you'd even finished volume two in terms of design. I have, yes. And while there are definitely some layout things that I would like to play with as far as how we're pairing photography with articles... Um, that I'm excited to experiment with based on some of the things that I've seen lately and how they might apply to Modern Huntsman. Something I have been wanting to do that I think I will really experiment with with uh, Volume 3 is starting to bring in more artists, uh, bring a, a little bit of uh, illustration and artwork to the magazine. We can help you out there. I know a few very talented artists from I, this country. Yeah, I do mm-hmm. too, Beth being one of them. <laughs> And so um, I am really excited to continue to make, to bring some creative uses of content that um, elevate the content of the articles in a way that um, further educates our audience, maybe in a way that's unexpected. And I think visually organizing information in a really beautiful artistic way would be a great um, next step for the magazine. So I'm excited to explore some of those possibilities. A little vague, but... That's fine. Okay. I, I, thought, I, I, knew, I knew it would have to be vague when I asked you that <laughs> yeah. question, but it's it's very exciting. Uh, we've said it a million times before, but you know the publication blew us away from day one. And obviously content, it has to have guts and substance with anything like this. But you, that would be useless if it... If it wasn't carried in a way that was accessible to people Mm -hmm. and you've done an absolutely stunning and beautiful job with uh, with the design of it and it's a massive massive part of a successful publication we we say thank you for your bringing over some tasty thanksgiving recipes for us (laughs) 
We appreciate thank it. You. That was it, our first Thanksgiving. So you know, the bread you really, pudding thing was awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, y'all really blew it out of the water, though, because I will say Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I take it extremely seriously. <laughs> I have never missed an Alabama Thanksgiving except for this one. And I will say I have never had an appetizer of butternut squash soup and it is genius. I will be bringing that back to Alabama next year and it will be very well received. Well, we're so going to have to give the credit to our mom for yeah. that. Yes, it was very, very, very good. <laughs> so I think we did fairly well. So you had you had goose, turkey, mm-hmm. uh, venison, haggis, mm-hmm. and then potatoes, the butternut squash, and nearly everything bar the turkey was either made in the garden or shot out in the yes. fields that you saw there, or the big basin that's uh, across right. a few miles that way. I was blown away. Um, it was definitely one of the best Thanksgiving meals, and I, I even brought my southern staple of green bean casserole. It was good. Yeah. It was very good and the green beans were sourced from your yard. Yeah, they were. There you go. My dad's yeah. very happy with his vegetables. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, very, he always very proudly Proud. tells everybody if we're sitting down for a meal and we've got vegetables on the table and they're his that they came from his garden. Yeah. He, yes. might, he probably mentions about three or four times throughout the meal. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, it is worth it. I might add that also the other thing, the haggis wasn't ours. That, yeah, that, was, that was, we yeah, we don't make our own haggis. Yeah. Give you us- know, I will say, though, we have decided that haggis and bread stuffing were meant to go together. So <laughs> Give us the bread stuffing recipe for the po- on the podcast now, because it's, it's quite simple. I will. So what, what is it? Um, oh, great. No, I have to remember. <laughs> no, I meant literally like right now. So- <laughs> so it's, it's bread? It's basically bread, um, and then you mix in some chicken stock and... Uh, two eggs, and then a bunch of spices and butter, and then bake it. That's about it. Well, the awesome. eggs, the eggs are from our garden. The, the as well. only thing There's we were missing is we as were well. meant to be watching American football. Well, well true. That was the only thing that was missing. Thing but the time so, zone didn't really work. Yeah, we, we bought, yeah, because the Tyler was looking a bit tired this morning because he stayed <laughs> up and watched American football during the night. Did. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I will say, on another note, I have never missed the Alabama Iron Bowl between my alma mater, Auburn, and Alabama University. When is that? It's tomorrow, but, but I will be going instead. to my first rugby game. So I'm telling you, it'll be better. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's I'm a high excited. bar. Yeah. A sold out arena. Sold out arena with international rugby. Yeah. I would say. I think I've upgraded. You've upgraded. I've officially upgrade. decided to spend every Thanksgiving in Scotland. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and you get and you get to watch rugby in what is one of the nicest cities in the in this country. Oh, I, I, one of the nicest cities in the world. I mean, I am such a big Edinburgh fan at this point. I would love to to be there for an extended amount of time. It's great. Hint, hint. Tyler is also <laughs> sitting in the room. <laughs> He's giving thumbs up. Yeah. Katie, it's been awesome to speak to you and Thank get a, a different perspective about Modern Huntsman. Uh, the, the, the design part of it is absolutely fascinating. And okay. like we already said, so important for the success that it's been so far and will continue to be, I'm sure. And uh, I'm pretty confident that everyone will have been fascinated by your mindset and, and what you've been trying to achieve with it. And, and you know, maybe maybe some young guys. young designers out there. Yeah, hopefully it provides in, inspiration as inspiration. well. Inspiration. Show that there is a path you can you can do. Yes. Follow what you enjoy and love. I think that was sort of the main key, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Absolutely. And in some roundabout way, you'll end up in a publication job even when print is dead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, we're going to enjoy the rugby tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you so much.
And that's it for another two weeks. Join us again. Maybe. Maybe. We might have a new we might have, we might have another one. But, but the full podcast out in two weeks. We'll definitely be out. And we even can tell you who it's going to be. Who is it going to be? It's going to be Matt Gibson. Oh, yes, it is. From, uh, well, he's a Kiwi, but he lives in the States. And he was uh, the one of the main cameramen for Jim Shockey for a lot of years and one of Brandon Shockey's best friends. And we hear about his life, how he got into it, and his experience filming with Jim and what he's doing after. He is the business partner of a previous guest of ours, Curran Ireland, and I recorded that when I was in New Zealand. That's cool. And if you would like to contact the show, like I said at the beginning, it's podcast at pageproductionsuk.com. It will be also in the description if you want to find out more about us and... uh, get different ways to listen to the show then you can go to www.thepacebrothers.com where all the information that you need is there Um, I actually did have uh, someone over the Christmas period ask which is the best way to watch again it does happen every few weeks we get a different person kind of asking and they were struggling on an Android phone and I told them to go onto Spotify and that seemed to solve the problem uh, I believe I believe Google are bringing out a new uh, podcast app, but I'll bring you that information when it when it comes. Uh, but right now it is Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Acast, um, obviously iTunes. Those are the the main ones. There there is a huge list which I've listed on many other shows before. Uh, but if you have any issues at all, we are more than happy to help you out. If you drop us a message on social media or any other way, and we'll sort you out. Don't forget to enter the competition for this week's podcast, which is to win the latest edition of the Hornady Reloading Manual. This week it is a Facebook competition, so jump over to Facebook, uh, our podcast Into the Wilderness page, and you will find the post there with a picture of the Reloading Manual and the instructions of how to enter. And we will announce the winner in two weeks' time. 